We're going to take our Bibles and we're going to head to the book of Proverbs, if you would, for this morning's Bible study. And while you're turning, let me mention a couple things. One is that um, we in the bulletin this morning, we had put some accounts from one of our missionaries. If you did not grab that and did not see some of the stories and the accounts and answers to prayer, you want to grab one of those to read some things that were miraculously done by the Lord in taking care of and getting Bibles into certain regions and things of that sort. So grab a bulletin if you didn't do it. Today is the day, this weekend, family focus. We're not going to have evening ministries because we've done that the last few years. So you can have the day focusing on family, visit those relatives, the moms in particular. I was thinking about different uh, stories that I've read about moms. One was about a mother putting a child to bed. And as she was putting this youngster to bed, she read with him, and then she was tucking in. And it happened to be on the eve of this child's fifth birthday. So she wanted to help the child to understand that they're going to be different tomorrow. And she said, do you remember now all year long? How old have you been? And he held up the four fingers. And she says, now when you go to sleep, you're this old. But when you wake up in the morning, you're going to be a different age. And so tomorrow you're going to have to add another finger to this count. And she says, do you know how old that is now? You're going to be starting tomorrow. And the child looked at his hand and then said, tomorrow I'll be a handful. (laughs) It's true for some kids. There was another account of a fellow who was writing about how his wife was expecting their third child. And as she was getting ready and moving along in the months of pregnancy, she was going through her closet, taking out the clothing that she could no longer wear, bringing in you know, the clothing that she'd be able to wear as, uh, as her uh, pregnancy carried along. And her child was watching, the five-year-old little girl. And she was observing, says, Mom, said, now that you're going to have another baby, are you going to have to start wearing those eternity clothes once again? Sometimes people get things, words a little bit mixed up. And sometimes people, when it comes to these family times, it's not appreciated the way that others would like it. So Ann Jarvis, a number of years ago, she, uh, she uh, campaigned for the idea that we need to have a special day put aside to celebrate moms, and she got that taken care of. But after a period of time, she didn't appreciate it. She came to a point where she thought that when companies started producing Mother's Day cards, that that was cheating, that that was the simple way, and she didn't like it. And she, as time went by, she regretted that she had encouraged all of this focus, and it had become so commercialized and all the cards, and that's unfortunate. It's a special day. And I was thinking about, and I shared, there was a time when I shared some of this message, and none of you were here. You were all gone. So if it sounds a little bit familiar, that means you watched me on TV like two years ago, okay, that we talk about some of these. And I shared this account of one card that I'm sure Ms. Jarvis would not appreciate. The card read this, showed these three ladies sitting there, you should have seen what my my son did for me on Mother's Day. He threw a big party at a fancy restaurant, even hired a band to come and play for me. That's nice. My son gave me an all-expense-paid cruise to the Greek islands. The third lady, not to be outdone, that's nothing. For the last three years, my son has been paying a fancy psychiatrist thousands of dollars so he can meet with him two times a week. And all they talk about is me the whole time. She didn't get it. She didn't understand how that worked. But there are people, and some of you may be sitting here, that when we say, let's take our Bibles and let's go to the book of Proverbs, especially Proverbs 31, you cringe. And you go, oh, no. He's going to preach on the virtuous woman. That passage that makes me feel like about this big. Actually, I want to clarify some things. 
if you weren't here to be in our study and watch when we were in that COVID era, I thought it'd be appropriate. And setting, since we had just finished a series on David, it ties together so well, this text and what we had just done. And in Proverbs 31, many of you are familiar with this portion of it, starting with verse 9. Open your mouth, starting verse 10. Who can find a virtuous woman, for her price is far above rubies? The heart of her husband doth solely, safely trust in her, so that he shall have no need of spoil. She will do him good and not evil all the days of her life. She seeks wool and flax and works willingly with her hands. She is like the merchant ships. She brings her food from afar. She rises also while it is yet night and gives meat to her household and a portion to her handmaidens. She considers a field, buys it. With the fruit of her hand, she plants a vineyard. She girds her loins with strength, strengthens her arms. She perceives that her merchandise is good. Her candle goes not out by night. She lays her hands to the spindle and her hands hold to the distaff. She stretches out her hand to the poor. Yea, she reaches forth her hands to the needy. She's not afraid of the snow for her household, for all her household are clothed with scarlet. She makes herself coverings of tapestry. Her clothing is silk and purple. Her husband is known in the gates when he sits among the elders of the land. She makes fine linen and sells it. She delivers girdles unto the merchant. She strength and honor are her clothing. She shall rejoice in time to come. She opens her mouth with wisdom. In In her tongue is the law of kindness. She looks well to the ways of her household, eats not the bread of idleness. Her children rise up, call her blessed, her husband also, and he praises her. Many daughters have done virtuously, but you excel them all. Favor is deceitful and beauty is vain, but a woman that fears the Lord, she shall be praised. Give her the fruit of her hands, let her own works praise her in the gates. I understand why ladies, when we read this, would go, Ooh, ouch, this woman never sleeps. This woman can do everything and anything. If it'll help you to understand this text, keep these thoughts in mind. Number one, this text is not composed by a man, but by a woman. Now, the writer himself is probably a man who's recording it, but it's his mother that first said all those words. As well, just to put it in its context, this is a mom talking to her son. She is giving him advice. We see that in verse 2. What my son and what the son of my womb and what the son of my vows. Mom is talking to a son. A son who at this time is going to be or is the king. He's old enough to be getting married. He's one that's going to be ruling the land. So her son that she's advising is royalty. Her son is an adult probably. And she's giving him counsel and advice. The other thing that stands out is that this woman is a realist. Now, I read this and you read this and we go, this is almost like a fairy tale. That this woman can do everything and she's got all this and she's got all this money to buy and she starts businesses and all those things. This woman's a realist. This isn't like something imaginary or something that is, that is um, you know, Aesop's fables. This is somebody who is basically... She's, she's talking about real life for their family. It may be different for your family. But she's talking realistically to her son, who is going to be the king, or has begun to be the king, and she is warning him. She's advising him about his life and the things he's going to face. So she's a realist. Okay, that you as king are going to have some difficulties. You're going to have problems. So mom is being practical. 
she's talking realistically from her perspective. From her perspective, when she has the ability to buy lands to sell, when she has the ability to make sure everybody in her household is clothed with scarlet, that's because for her, in her real life, here she is, she's the queen mother. She's of nobility. She's of a different class than most of us as far as financially. But that's her reality. That's her life. And she is dealing realistically and saying, here's what I need to take care of. Most of you don't have servants, okay? Don't have people doing that. But she did. And she had to make sure that that was taken care of. And the kids were taken care of. And this, that, and the other thing. And the business exploits that she was involved in. So she's being very practical from her point of view. It's realistic. As well, when you look through the text, get this. That what she's talking about and talking and advising her son, she's not first and foremost concerned about his earthly successes. She is. But that's not her first and foremost concern. The thing that really interests her the most is his spiritual successes and how he honors the Lord with his life. That comes out in verse 1, 2, 3, where she starts talking to him and she begins with a very, very opening comments the words of King Lemuel, the prophecy that his mother taught him, what my son, what the son of my womb, the son of my vows. She's bringing to mind that apparently she had prayed. She had made commitment. Maybe she was like Hannah when she was begging for this son, that she was going to give him to the Lord. Maybe she was like the parents who have stood here before and said, we're going to dedicate ourselves But she's remi- to raising our kids. She's reminding her son that she's made some promises to the Lord, and it had to deal with him. Because it goes on, give, uh, where he, she calls him Lemuel in verse 4, it is not for kings, O Lemuel. That, that word that she's bringing up, that title that she gives him, that name that she gives is a reminder, you belong to the Lord. You belong to the Lord. So the first thing you need to be concerned about as king is you were prayed for and you belong to the Lord. So she's bringing this up. And that fits perfectly with the rest of Proverbs. Proverbs talks a lot about practical life. Very realistic. Talks about how to deal with anger, finances, deal with people, um, deal with child raising, how to respond to parents, how to work hard, all those different details. But the primary focus of the entire book of Proverbs, the underlying thought all the way through, and even at the end of the book, is make sure you're right with God. Do you remember how this comes out in Proverbs? Scattered throughout the various Proverbs, phrases like the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Trust in the Lord with all our heart. Lean not unto your own understanding. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord. Depart from evil. Fear the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The knowledge of the holy is understanding. They that are of a crooked heart are an abomination to the Lord, but such as are upright in their way, they're a delight. The Lord is far from the wicked. He hears the prayer of the righteous. It is typically through the book a father giving counsel to a son and saying here to be successful in this life, do this, 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 but more important, make sure your success is with the Lord. Mom ends up the book with the same thought. Make sure that you are right with the Lord, fulfilling what I've prayed for and you belong to the Lord. So they're making it very clear. And so what happens in this chapter is she is going to give practical advice to her son in his real world. And that's where this whole, this whole virtuous woman comes in. In context, mom is advising the prince, the king, 
the heir to the throne, on how he can be successful before the Lord in his work. And she gives him some very practical advice. She basically is telling him, as a king, you can't do what you want. You can't do your own thing. You have limitations. What a good lesson for all of us to remember. Just because we're a certain age, we get our license. We graduate from school. We got a college degree. We bought our own home. That doesn't mean we can live any old way we want. And so here's a parent giving advice. At this time, it's the mom giving advice to her son and saying, here, in order to be successful, make sure you're successful with the Lord. Make sure you do these things. And her practical advice starts off, you need to be morally right. You as a young man need to live a moral lifestyle. And she starts off in the beginning of the book, which gives this idea, don't live by following your desires, your senses, your lusts. Verse, verse 2 through 5, bring this out. What my son, what the son of my womb, the son of my vows, give not your strength unto women, nor your ways to that which destroys kings. It is not for kings, O Lemuel, it is not for the kings to be drinking wines. Don't, don't get caught up in this. Just because you can doesn't mean you should. And she says, and for princes, the strong drink, lest they drink and forget the law and pervert the judgment of any of the afflicted. You've got to be morally upright. That means you stay away from that which would draw you away. A lot of ladies who don't have spiritual desires, the wines or all those pleasures of the world which would take you away and would cause you to be immoral, not, follow, not following your senses. But as well, to be a moral individual, you don't abuse your authority. Just because you're king, just because you're the leader, you're the boss, doesn't mean you can abuse other people. She makes it very clear that as a ruler, what do you have to do? Number four, verse 5, you don't pervert the judgment of the wicked, of the afflicted. You don't give strong drink unto him, or you should help those who are ready to perish in the wine to those of the heavy hearts. Let him drink and forget his poverty. So minister. In a way that even if it means somebody is in a physical health problem, give them the medications that they need to help them out, make it available. Remembering his misery, he says that individual, that help them out so they remember it no more. Open your mouth for the dumb. Now, that's the King James. The word literally means the mute. Those who cannot speak. Those who are handicapped. In the cause of all such as are appointed to destruction. Open your mouth, judge righteously, plead the cause of the poor and the needy. You as the leader, what you need to do is you don't need to abuse people through your power, but you need to care for them. That's your job, king. Son, that's what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to remember all people within your realm are important. Whether they be the poor, the afflicted, the dying, those who, uh, who, who have physical handicaps, they're all valuable. Don't get caught up like the politicians where you're favoring certain people that can give you favors. Very good advice. Very wise advice from a mom. Telling him that this should be your goal as king. As leader, as the head of our nation, serve others. Serve others. By the way, isn't that what politicians should adopt today? Serve others, not serve themselves. How much better than any nation would be if this was the, this was the advice that they would follow? And he makes it very clear, and she makes it very clear. She says, don't be involved with, with satisfying your lust, your pleasures, you, you want to be with women, you want to get some of the wines. That should not be your first focus. Don't do what Herod did, 
When Herod threw his party, when, there was, when the people were in need, and Jesus comes along, and by contrast, Jesus feeds the people. The thousands who were in need and in hunger. And so you have those contrasts shown in the New Testament. Mom is contrasting even before that time period. Say, as the leader, what you need to do is you need to serve the people, stand up for the people, you know, be, be one who defends those. Be a righteous judge. Don't be a selfish judge. Don't take the briberies. Be one who, those who are handicapped, you speak for them. Those who are the widowed, those who are, are unable to speak for themselves, they are muted by society or physically. You be their defender. You be the defender of the unborn or the elderly. That's what you need to do as king. So she's giving him some really practical advice. All of this that we saw in the series of David, that they were warned as kings in David's early years before Solomon or when Saul, uh, Saul became the king. They were warned, be careful of kings who will become greedy and self-centered and all about satisfying their own desires. Don't be that. Man, there's lots of practical advice. We could run rampant with this that, okay, we're not kings, but we're heads of households. We're heads of businesses serve others, be moral. So it's very clear that this is good advice. And again, I say this, just because you can doesn't mean you should. Do you remember about three years ago, this little boy made headline news? He was five years old, excuse me, one month from being six, the little boy said. And so he wanted to go and buy a Lamborghini, but his mom and dad were at work. His sister was babysitting him. She had fallen asleep, but he still wanted to get a Lamborghini. So he went out, got into their SUV, and drove it two miles onto the interstate. And when the police in California pulled him over, they were shocked to find that he was driving down the interstate, this five, excuse me, soon to be six, year old little boy. And they pulled him over and they asked where he was going. He's going to his older sister's house because she, she was going to help him, she had said. She was going to help him buy a Lamborghini, and he had $3.65 in his pocket. Just because he could didn't mean he should. Okay? In the same way in our life. And mom's giving advice. And mom then deals with her son and talks not only about his business affairs. You know, make sure you're honoring the Lord in the way you conduct yourself, the way you deal with other people. But I want to give you some advice on who you marry. What type of person you marry. And so that's the bulk of where most of us jump into this text and we look at this passage and forget the context. This is a mom advising a son of what type of person to look for. And as she's going through it, she's going to describe what we often know now as the virtuous woman, the passage that I read a few moments ago. Keep in mind that what this is, this is poetry. This is somebody writing in a way to her son with using some superlatives and, and different ideas. It's, and the way she lays it out is she takes the Hebrew alphabet and she starts each phrase, each verse in this section with the letter of the alphabet, the one after the other. It, it would be like, if I can give you the illustration, you writing to your kid and saying, I want to give you the ABCs of what to look for. You want to look for A stands for the apple pie she bakes. B stands for the baby she loves. C stands for the cleaning she does. And keep on going all the way through, you know, what the dresses she wears and the zoo that she keeps. You know, everything in between. And so it's it's written in a poetic way. And it's written in this elaborate fashion And it's a mom who is writing to a guy who loves poetry. 
and songs. And it'll probably be, let's, make, let's be honest about it, probably help him to remember these things. And so she's, she's giving broad ideas, a broad advice. And basically it comes down to look for a woman who has, and we can list this, good character. Somebody who is charitable. Somebody who is caring for others. Somebody who has a, who, a cheerful attitude. Somebody who is self-controlled. Somebody who's competent. Somebody who contributes you know, and, and helps out others. Look for somebody that can help you. By the way, any parent in this room that would sit down and give advice would cover these same things. It's not this impossible section of Scripture for anybody to live up to. It's just giving general characteristics of looking for somebody who has a good spirit, a good heart, who cares for you, cares for others. That's the type of person young men should marry anyway. And so she gives this whole listing, a mom concerned about her son, as she goes through this text. And so she covers this all, but while she is covering the ABCs of what, the, what, what kind of wife to look for, she adds a couple other thoughts right in the, in the center of it. She adds the one thought, she says, remember, this is an important ch- uh, choice that you make. Because down in verse 23, she makes it clear where she says, her husband is known in the gates. The gates is where they would do the judging, where they would do the ruling, if not in a courthouse, but in most cities, a place where all the judicial activity would take place when he sits among the elders of the land. And she is saying, your wife will make a difference on how you do your job. And that is true. That is true for almost any occupation. Because if the wife is self-centered and all about getting, 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 she can put so much pressure on the husband that the husband is not about doing a good job. It's just about money, money, money. That can impact I can tell you on a personal experience, in my vocation, the wife makes a huge difference. Because if my wife isn't on board and isn't, doesn't have a love for the Lord, if she doesn't have a love for you, if she isn't on board on helping me to minister, it would, it would adversely affect how I could do my job. And some of you, the same thing is in whatever occupation you are in. And so she's reminding him, and that's good advice any of you parents would give to your children, to the, to the girl or to the guy, hey, listen, this is, this is your most major decision in your life next to being saved. Who are you going to marry? It's going to make all the difference. And then she makes another positive statement to her son. She says, son, make sure you appreciate her. Well, he, she brings it up. She alludes it to it where he says, she, she says in verse 28, her children rise up and call her blessed. Her husband also, he praises her. She's saying, hey, son, make sure you remember this. Remember to appreciate. Don't take, take her for granted. Don't just assume. You keep on appreciating her. You keep on letting her know she is valuable. You set aside a day. You set aside times. You set aside moments where you can let her know. Your kids, train your kids to do the same thing. To value her. To let her know how much she is appreciated. I I may have shared this with you years ago. But this is an article that's called The Myths of Motherhood. Somebody said that a child is carried in its mother's womb for nine months. But that somebody does not know that a child is carried in its mother's heart forever. Somebody said it takes about six weeks to get back to normal after you've had a baby. 
But that somebody doesn't know that once you become a mother, normal is history. Somebody said you learn how to be a mother by instinct. But that somebody never took a three-year-old shopping. Somebody said being a mother is boring. But that somebody never rode in a car driven by a teenager getting their driver's permit. Somebody said good mothers never raise their voices. But that somebody never came out the back door just in time to see her child ready to hit a golf ball through the neighbor's window. Somebody said you don't need an education to be a mother. But that somebody never helped a fourth grader with their math. Somebody said you can't love the fifth child as much as you love the first. But that somebody didn't have five children. Somebody said that a mother can find all the answers to her child-rearing questions in the books. But that somebody never had a child stuff beans up their nose. (laughs) Somebody said the hardest part of being a mother is the labor and delivery. But that somebody never watched the baby get on the bus for the first day of school. Somebody said a mother can stop worrying after their child gets married. But that somebody doesn't know that marriage adds a new son or daughter-in-law to the mother's heartstrings. Somebody said a mother's job is done when her last child leaves home. That somebody never had grandchildren. Somebody said, a mother knows you love her, so you don't need to tell her. That somebody isn't a mother. They need to be told. And in wisdom, mom says to son, to Lemuel, make sure you appreciate. Make sure you appreciate. Can I make another observation? This passage is written by a mom who knows exactly what she's talking about. She understands. She's giving good advice by inspiration, but also by experience. And I say that because I believe this is who, from study, that this is who wrote it. Bathsheba. Bathsheba. Do you remember ever hearing about her? It was David's wife. The one that he had taken after he had the soldier killed. And she ends up becoming the mother of the next king. Her son Lemuel is Solomon. It's Solomon. It's Solomon, the, belong, the one who belongs to the Lord. She knows what she's talking about when she talks about kings need to be moral. She knows how, what she's talking about when she's, when she's saying, hey, listen, if you start to self-indulge, it'll create heartache. Had she seen that firsthand? Yeah. Did she know what it was like, that, what it's like when a king abuses power? Or when somebody, a young man, all of a sudden tries to, to usurp authority? She saw it firsthand. She saw it happen in her own family, in her own household. She's an individual. She knows that somebody given to power and pleasure can create tremendous heartache. She experienced the heartache that came by burying one of her own children. She saw in that situation her husband's family absolutely decimated because he lost control. He gave in to passion. He abused his power. She saw what it was like, how children can be corrupted when the dad doesn't give the example and how it affects the Ammons and the Tamars and the Absaloms. She knows from where she's talking. And she's giving Solomon some tremendously wise advice and saying, hey, listen, Solomon, you need to be careful. Just because you're king, that doesn't mean you're immune. You've got to be careful, buddy. Just because you're old enough now to put a crown on your head, it doesn't mean you can do whatever you want. You need to be a servant. You need to live for the Lord. You need to remember you belong to the Lord. 
And so here she is, a mom, giving great advice. So how do we bring this all together, and what do we do? Instead of looking at those verses that say, ladies, this is what you're supposed to be like, which you should be, striving to be and saying, I want to be that type of commendable lady. Okay, You can't do everything she did because that's not your reality. But what can we learn from this woman talking to her son? What can we learn from what she says to all of us? A mom speaking to her child and saying, here's what you need to do to your mom. Several thoughts stand out that I think are important for us. One is this. To me, this stands out and says, hey, listen, Bathsheba giving advice to her son, speaking from where she is to her son to where he should be, means this, that you can be used of God today no matter what happened yesterday. Bathsheba was used of God to give this inspired bit of advice that has gone down generation after generation after generation and proven to be profitable. So God can use people People who have even stumbled and fallen. You know, I I did in the devotional for Facebook, I made this comment this past week. Mothers don't have to be perfect. And I pointed out from the life of Mary, Mary wasn't perfect. Mary admits she was a sinner. Mary even did not understand her own son Jesus when she found him in the temple and said, how could you do this to us? When, When she comes to him at the wedding of Cana and she says, hey, you need to do something because we're out of wine. Well, in the, in the temple, he says, don't you know? Don't you understand? We, I must be about my father's business. And when she comes to him at the wedding in Cana, the response is, woman, what have I to do with you? Or why are you bringing this to me at this time? She didn't understand in Mark 3 when she and the brothers of Jesus, who were unbelievers, came to Jesus in the middle of his ministry and insisted that he leaves the people and comes out to them. And he said, who's my mother? Who's my, mother? Who's my brothers? Who's my family? These people that I'm ministering to. Mary was not always like this, understanding Jesus. There were moments when things were like this. She wasn't a perfect parent. She wasn't a perfect mother, but God used her. Yeah, Ben Carson, I shared with her, Ben Carson talks about his own mom. How what she did is she insisted that he and his brother, when they were growing up, that once they could read, that they had to do a book report every two weeks. Not for school, but for mom. And so she insisted that they read a book and write a book report about it every two weeks. That started in elementary school when they could read and lasted all the way until they graduated from high school. And Ben Carson wrote, he says, I never knew until I got to college that my mother was illiterate. She could not read. But she, even though she had that inability, she insisted that they do something that would improve their desire to learn and give them some type of personal discipline. Moms don't have to be perfect. They just need to be dedicated to the Lord. This mom was not perfect, but God used her. God used her despite her past. You know what strikes me as well? Is that this thought that God can, make, can use you to make a big difference, a big difference in other people's lives, whether it be your own home or in your community. God will use you, ladies, men included. God will use you. Okay, he, he, he uses what you have. Like in Bathsheba's case, Bathsheba could make an impact on the community. And she reminds her son, you can make an impact. You're an imperfect king. You're going to have struggles. You're going to have battles. But you can have an impact on your community. You can have an impact on your partner's career. 
She's reminding him that she can have a tremendous impact upon the character of the children. You can make a difference. And ladies, you do make a difference. You are the, such an influence on your kids when it comes to, your, to, to them loving the Lord. By the way, you display it how you encourage it. And so many of you have done such a great job. Thank you. Thank you. Something else that strikes me is this. You can be used of God to impact many, for God, for good, as a teacher and advisor. That's Bathsheba. Bathsheba as an older woman, advising her son, who's in his adult era of life. She's a teacher. She's an advisor. She's telling him. And so, no matter what the child's age, Bathsheba is demonstrating how there can be influence. And by the way, can I add this? She demonstrates... She had influence of people of all ages. Her words that were recorded by her son are still influencing us generations later. What she wrote about serving the Lord, fearing the Lord, what she wrote about focusing on family needs has tremendous impact today. She's one of those individuals who has a historical influence because she put the Lord first. Made mistakes, but put the Lord first. There was um, the theological cartoons. Have you ever read Family Circus? I'd say have you ever seen them in a paper, but there is no paper anymore. So, but uh, you remember these cartoons? They were they got into a important. The kids in these cartoons would get into discussions and they would solve the world's issues. And um, when Kiefer Keen, the the man who designed this, he t- had them tackle this big question one day. The big question of where do babies come from? So the kids in the same family are responding. And one of them said, storks don't bring the babies. Drones do. So they they didn't always have it all together right. In fact, the third child responded and he says, no, it's not storks. It's UPS. UPS delivers the babies. In that conversation where babies come from, the final comment was made by one child who got their biology mixed up as far as everything involved with the baby and the birth and the connection to the mother. But it was profound, just the same. He made this comment, babies are connected to their mother by a biblical cord. Okay, I know that they got it wrong biologically. But there's a lot of truth there. Tremendous amount of truth that should be in your life that you are connected by the Bible and you teaching it, them learning it from you. I also learned this lesson from this, this whole story. And the bottom line is where she ends up the chapter, where she talks about the woman that fears the Lord, she shall be praised. She started off reminding her son, you belong to God. She ends up saying, make sure you find a wife who fears the Lord as well. Her conclusion and everything in between is this. The most important truth for us to live by is this. Serve the Lord our God with all our hearts, all our might. Put Him first. Putting Him first in our lives by living a moral life. By doing the job that God has given us to do in a way that pleases Him. By creating godly homes. Folk, not just a good home, a godly home. You need to have godly kids. Kids that you've influenced, you've prayed for, you've, you've fasted for. Kids that you're trying to rear to have a biblical worldview. 
Not just good citizens, but godly citizens. He's promoting, she's promoting this idea, make sure that you are a godly spouse, a godly partner to husband, to wife. And as well, she's saying, make sure you live godly yourself. It's a tremendous passage, tremendous encouragement in this text, telling us that, hey, this is how the virtuous woman is supposed to be an individual who will impact and can impact and serve the Lord. But it's not just for the ladies, it's for all of us. But on this day, I close with this thought in mind. We hope, we hope that you excel them all. I, as a dad, use this verse when I walked my daughters down the aisle on both occasions to just whisper in their ears, many have daughters have done well, but you excel them all. I hope and pray that, that, can, that they continue to walk within the ways of the Lord. And I have a good hope that that will happen because they had a tremendous example in my wife. And for God, and for God to have given that to me, I am spoiled. Guys, you are too. Look at all these wonderful ladies, wives. Give them the honor they, are, they deserve. Father, help us. Help us this day to honor the ladies in our lives. But we thank you for so many of them who have given honor to you and given their lives to you. We thank you for their godly walk, their talk. For many of us, our moms are no longer here. But we thank you for their influence on our lives. We pray that you would help the many young moms here to just take up the baton and continue to be that godly influence. And Father, use them. Encourage them. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Happy Mother's Day. God bless you all. Thanks.